introduce myself real quick. Uh, Tom DeWitt, uh, for those of you all that I don't know, um, I'll say good morning again. But uh, So I'm one of the elders uh, in the church, also oversee a couple of operational areas in the church. Uh, my wife, Becky, I think she is back in, I'm not sure where she's at, I think back with the kids, but uh, she's the, uh, the uh, children's ministry director, and um, so she's taking care of overseeing all of that uh, process and, and uh, taking care of your kids and all the teams that's, uh, that minister to your kids on uh, uh, Saturday and Sunday. So. And then uh, Michaela, my oldest daughter, she is uh, one of the adult leaders in uh, Elevate on Wednesday night with the youth. And then uh, Claire's middle daughter, and she helps on the worship team. Uh, from time to time, and so does Sarah, uh, our, our smallest, I call her little one, because uh, she's always going to be the little one, but uh, so Sarah is, uh, also helps on the worship team as well, but uh, God is good, and, uh, and in keeping with the series of Shipwrecked, we are going to roll a video. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour, a three-hour tour. Started getting rough, the tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the middle would be lost. The middle would be lost. The ship's aground on the shore of this uncharted desert isle with Gilligan, the skipper, too. The millionaire and his wife, the movie star, and the rest. All right, so honest time. How many people grew up with that? How many of you all, as that played, were able to sing along and knew every single word to the opening of that song or the, 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 the show? Um, and then I'll apologize now because some of you are going to just, that's going to be in your brain. Uh, and so I'll apologize now, and hopefully it'll get out when we get back into worship. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a fun, uh, fun deal. So what does that have to do with my message? Absolutely nothing, which is even better. Um, but title of this message is, How Big Is God? So about a month ago, we, uh, we had the opportunity to go on vacation. And uh, we kind of let the kids pick where they want to go within reason. Um, I know somebody said, let's go to Hawaii, and I said, nope, that's not going to happen. But we let them kind of pick to where they want to go on vacation. And so this year, they said, you know what, we really want to go to the southwest part of the the United States and kind of see what that looks like. And so we did, um, and I think we've got a picture of us somewhere in a desert, um, and I'm not really sure even where that was, but it's in the desert, and it was hot. Um, I do remember that. But uh, we pretty much went all over, um, and we saw a lot of things that, I mean, we saw the mountains, we saw the desert, we were in the desert, uh, we saw the, we went to California and went to, uh, went to the beach, and it was hot, it was like 110 degrees in, uh, in Nevada, and then, we, uh, uh, and then we went in an area of uh, Arizona, 
uh, that was it was in like the 60s. So we were just kind of all over the place and had a great time. But uh, one of the places we went was the Grand Canyon. And let me tell you, it's a canyon <laughs> and it's grand, uh, which hence the word Grand Canyon. But it, um, it was just one of those places where you walked up to it and you kind of, if you, ha- if you haven't been there, you drive kind of up to it and you get out and you go into the park. Um, and it is absolutely amazing when you see just the majesty of what, of, of what God created and the glory of what was created there. And so there's a picture of it, um, thunderstorm rolling in. Again, it's just one of those things where you just, it's amazing to see uh, what God has done. So yay God for making the Grand Canyon because it was definitely, uh, definitely impressive. So then we went to the Joshua Tree National Forest, and, and there's a picture of the Joshua Tree. And so this tree, it, uh, it, it grows 40 feet tall in the desert. And the only place in the entire world that this tree is found is in the Mojave Desert. And in the desert, um, it, gets, it, it sustains life. And the, in the Mojave Desert, they get two to five inches of rain the entire year is all the amount of water that that, that, uh, that, that desert gets. Um, and so it's 48,000 square miles. It's really in, 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 in California, Nevada, and Arizona. And it, uh, as we were there and in the different places that we went, um, God was really speaking to me is about how big of a God do we serve? How big is God? And so when you start to see some of these things and you put them together, and just like, again, this Joshua tree, that... It only grows on the entire planet. It grows in this little bitty section of the planet. And, and it, it just kind of was, was, it blew your mind when you started to think about it, that God created all these things, um, and it was just, uh, it was for his glory and our glory, and it was awesome. So let's, uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a good God. We sing of how great you are, and we thank you for that. God, we ask at this time that you prepare our hearts, prepare our minds. God, move in a way that only you can move and move upon us. Blow through this place. We thank you for that. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're going to do. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So how big is God? To answer this, we've got to go back to the very beginning. We've got to go back to Genesis 1. Let's watch. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty, and waters and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. The second day, God said, put an expanse between the waters on the earth and the waters above. And God called the expanse sky. 
On the third day, God said, Let dry ground appear and separate the waters on the earth. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the land produce vegetation, plants and trees, The land produced plants and trees bearing fruit according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. The fourth day God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the sun to govern the day, and the moon to govern the night. He also made the stars and set them in the expanse of the sky. And God saw that it was good. On the fifth day, God said, let the waters be filled with living creatures. And let birds fly above the earth across the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every winged bird according to its kind. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. Point number one, God created the heavens. In Revelation 4, Apostle John gives a glimpse into heaven, what that looks like. Let's read verse 1. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what must, must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald circle around the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white, and had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. There were set, those represented the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. 
In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in the front and in the back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third was like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and covered each or and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him for who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne, and they say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. We could pretty much stop right there, because that gives us a glimpse as to what heaven looks like, but we're only on point number one. (laughs) Give God praise, give God glory, and give God honor for who he is and what he does. Give God glory for that. (laughs) Point number two, verse nine, God created the earth. He created all of its wonder, all of its beauty, it's majesty, just like the God, uh, the, the God, how God created the Grand Canyon. He created everything. Point number three, verse 14, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. I'm sure you've had an opportunity when you go out at night and you look, and when you're in the city and you look up at the stars, you don't see that many of them. But when you step out and you get out in the county, away from all the lights, away from the cities, you can actually see there's a lot more stars that you can see with the naked eye. There are millions and millions of stars. I had no idea how many stars there actually are in the, in the sky until you look through it through a night vision, a piece of night vision equipment. And I think we've got a picture of what that looks like. And it is absolutely incredible to see that there are not what you can see with the naked eye, but it's all the other stars that are there. There are billions and billions of stars. If you look in that picture uh, in, from the top to the bottom, kind of right through the middle, there's a, there was a band of stars that uh, you couldn't count them. It was just, it was, it was in, just so many. Um, and you just kind of stand there in awe, and you're just in, in amazement of what God did when he placed all of those things uh, in, the, in, the, in the universe. Point number four, verse 20 through 24, God created living things. He created creatures, plants, and trees. The Joshua tree that was showed earlier, uh, that tree alone, it supports 2,000 species of life in the desert. And you think about that, there's 2,000 species that that, that rely upon that one tree in the desert to survive. That is amazing when you start to think about that and how, again, how God put that together and and how it all works. Point number five, verse 26, God created man in his own image. God is so powerful, but he's personal enough that he made us 
in his own image. Number six, God created you. God created you. Psalm 139, verse 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I'll say that again. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God created you and knew exactly who you were, and he made you in his own image. You are a child of the Most High, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Number seven, God, the creator of all things, wants to have a personal relationship with each one of us. He pursues us and seeks us out for that personal relationship on a daily basis. God intimately knows who you are. He knows all your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows what you're going through. He knows the highs, the lows. He knows it all. The God of the universe is chasing after us. He's chasing after you. Grab hold of that truth and stand on that promise that God knows you and God loves you. Number eight, with everything that we've looked at, could it be that we're limiting how big God actually is? God raised people from the dead. In the natural, that's hard for us to understand, but spiritually, we can understand that. And, and I want to see that. I want to see that happen. I want to see God do miracles that only he can do. I want to see more miracles. I want to see healings. I want to see the blind made to see. I want to see the lame made to walk. I want to see people that be healed of sickness and diseases. I want to see those that are bound by the enemy walk in freedom. I want to see families and relationships restored. To back to where the, the way God intended those to be. You know, we've had miracle after miracle after miracle happen at Journey. We're seeing that and we're seeking that and God is faithful to pour himself out so that we can be a part of what he's doing in his kingdom. God is faithful. There is nothing that is too big for God. There's nothing that you're going through that is too big for God. There's nothing that is happening that God cannot fix and change. God just doesn't show up on Wednesday night at Elevate. He doesn't just show up on Saturday night and, or show up twice on Sunday. By the way, the youth are absolutely on fire. If you want to come and participate and see what's happening Wednesday night with the youth, it will blow your mind. They are absolutely on fire for God. And God is doing amazing, amazing things for them. It's awesome. But God is bigger than this building. We've got to take God everywhere that we go. He can do big things out of this building. He can do miracles out of this building. He can heal outside of this building. He's calling us out of this building and into his kingdom. Literally, he's calling us out of this building uh, and into his kingdom, and you all know that. But uh, he's calling us to move. God is moving in this season, in a big and mighty way. And we have to 
be on board with that. There will be suddenlies that happen in a blink of an eye. There are things that you've been praying for, working towards, dreaming about for years. And those things will come and they will change in an instant. There will be blessings upon blessings upon blessings in this season. We're getting ready to walk into a season, not a natural season. We're getting ready to obviously go into fall and winter. But spiritually, we are walking into a season that God is going to move in a mighty way. And we have to walk into that season with God and be a part of what He's going to do. Amos 9, 13, or Amos 9, 13 through 15, the message. Yes, indeed. It won't be long now, God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing, fast on the heels of another. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once, and everywhere you look will be blessings. Blessings like wine pouring over the mountains and the hills. I'll make everything right again for my people, Israel. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They will work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables, and they will plant them, plant them, and I will plant them, plant them on their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God, says so. I'd ask the worship team come back up, and over the next few, few minutes, and really the bulk of this service... We're going to spend some time, and we're going to focus on God. We're going to allow God to move in a way that only God can move. Just like He seeks after us and pursues us, we're going to seek after and pursue Him. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to pour Himself out on us. Stand with me, if you would. And close your eyes, and I want you to get into a posture to receive from the Holy Spirit what He has for you and what He's speaking to you. God is calling us to move. God is speaking suddenlies. He's speaking blessings. He's speaking new in this season. New skills, new abilities, new ways of moving, new gifts, new blessings, new miracles, new healings, new ideas, new ways of thinking, new ways of seeking after Him. He's renewing our minds to align with His way and His plans, not ours. He's pouring out His Spirit in a new and mighty way. God wants to do something new in your life and it starts today. He's a big God. He's calling us to do big things. And it all starts today. It starts with a step of faith. It stop or it starts by stopping our own and going after his. At this time, 
we're going to come to the altar. We're going to bring these things to the altar. We're going to seek God into what he has for us in this next season. We're going to cry out to God, show us what that is. And he's going to move in only the way that he can move. Not by our strength, but by his strength. We open these altars and these aisles and whatever it takes. Take that step of faith and come down to these altars and spend the time that God is calling us to spend. Come down to these altars.